Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. Welcome into episode 60 of The Grid. We had a little housekeeping issue with episode 59. I promise it wasn't our fault. Mm-hmm. Promise it wasn't our fault. But Mike, you got an athlete for episode 60. Your, your memory is just better than mine here. Who you got for us this week? Well, well, I went and looked at number 60, and I found one that I figured a lot of our listeners would be very familiar with, and that is... Uh, Tommy Nobis, a linebacker from the University of Texas who played for the Atlanta Falcons. Quite a, you know, a storied career at Texas and did well in the NFL as well. So for all our friends from UT out there, this is the uh, Tommy Nobis edition. Hey, I'm, I'm all for more University of Texas Texas athletes being mentioned on this podcast, a Longhorn seventh in the inaugural college football playoff poll. Interested to see how that one turns out. But we got high school football to talk about. We're entering the last week of the regular season. Playoff implications, district title implications at stake. Going to be a really fun week of high school football. We're going to start with the Victoria schools. It's a big week this week. The East versus West, the Victoria Bowl here in town. And you got two teams East is having their best year in quite some time here, and it, no, no more evidence of that than last week. Victoria East knocking off Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial 14-10. to Mike, I, I said it to you before the show, I'm starting to become a believer in old Charlie Reeve over here. Yeah, he, he is doing an amazing job over at East. Uh, in fact, uh, as we talked about, he was uh, just recognized by Dave Campbell's Texas football as one of the 14 coaches in Texas, uh, I believe it's called to, to make an impact or make a difference. And he will be honored for that before the East-West game on Friday night. So uh, congratulations to uh, Charlie Reeve. And uh, congratulations to that defense. I mean, my gosh, what they held vets to 10 points. They, uh, I mean, they were coming off that Miller game where – they scored just one. Miller scored 66. Yeah, and then Vets scored what? 10. And Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, oh you're Mil- – oh, Miller uh, Vets. Miller Vets, they scored they, – I think it was in the 40s. Yeah, so, I mean, they had come off a big offensive game. And uh, he shut them down um, and had the big touchdown pass uh, from their uh, – uh, Coley, Coley to Bryson Ortega. To Bryson Ortega. And uh, that was a heck of a throw and a heck of a catch if you – Saw a video of that play. Uh, big win. Put him in a position uh, to finish second. You know, good news, bad news there is what I've understood is what I've been told. Because the good news is obviously get a home playoff game. The bad news is supposedly in the second round you meet up with Farsin, Juan Alamo, PSJ North. North. Yeah, my old offensive coordinator Marcus Kaufman down there. He was a you know when I went to McAllen Memorial High School, he was the offensive coordinator and now the head coach at PSJ North, and they are apparently making a mockery of RGB oh, football yeah. this year. Of course, year. Uh, you just don't know about the competition. You know, you don't know if they've seen the speed that East has. Mm-hmm. So, But, you know, you don't worry about that yeah. now. You worry about the present. You want to win. <laughs> and the present is Victoria West. And, uh, of course, you know, bragging rights hometown rivalry that kind of thing and west has won three in a row in this rivalry so i'm sure east wants to get back on top uh you know in a game like this you know i i hate that cliche throw out the records you know because that matters but things happen in games like this i mean it's so emotional and you know the players know each other so uh you know i wouldn't say it's a a, a, a kind of a hate rivalry but it is i mean you want to win this game it, it's not it's not hate I, I was at the two schools heck i was at the two schools today um it's not a hate rivalry there's not you know it's not bad blood no one no one's poisoning each other's food or egging houses <laughs> or things not, not that i know of at least um but it is like a man we really want to we really really want to beat them and so going over to the west side, they played Miller last week. They lost in a shootout, 56-49. Mike, it feels weird to say this. In a game where you allowed 56 points, 
I thought the West defense did a lot of good things. They put Miller in some adverse spots, and then Miller, to their credit, what is it? Players make plays. Yeah. Some of Miller's players made some outstanding plays on third and longs that just changed the football game. And when you have re- when you have really good players, you have really talented players. That's the kind of thing that happened, and that's what Miller did, and that's that's kind of what Coach Boyce has chosen to focus on is we got them in some really bad spots we have to execute in those spots but they have they had some guy they had some guys who just made some plays and that turned out to be the difference in the ball game and now you look at victoria east who this is really interesting because west has won the last three years west has been the team the the seniors at west since they've been in high school all they've done is beat victoria east Mm -hmm. the seniors of victoria east since they've been in high school all they've done is lose to victoria west so there's this little bit of hey we still run this rivalry combined with no we're we're turning the tide it starts right now first year head coach our first you know our best season in a while we're flipping this rivalry on its head i wonder about the mental edge that west may have over east if there is that mental edge because when when one team's beaten the other three straight years and the players on each side the east side has never beaten west the west side has never lost to east is there that mental edge factor and mike you're kind of shaking your head over there you don't think that's going to play a factor that's something i'm watching for i don't think so the biggest reason for that is the change at east right I mean, if it was the same, you know, like right. the same, then you go along and maybe that's there. But with a new coach coming in and the new program, I really don't think that's a factor. And, I, you know, I, I, I kind of experienced a similar thing with El Campo Bay yeah. City, where El Campo had, you know, not lost to Bay City since 18. And so those seniors had never beaten uh, El Campo. and. It can be done. It's just uh, oh no, I, no doubt it can be done. But I don't really think they have the mental edge. I think this helps West more than it hurts East because West says, "Hey, we've beaten them three years in a row. We know we can do it again because we know these guys. We can do it again." But East is kind of in that position now. Well, hey, we're a brand new team. We got a new coach. We got new this, new that. And this is good. we're gonna we're gonna change things around. For East, it's really worked out perfectly because at, you win four in a row. The vet, the win against vets, undoubtedly their biggest win of the year because that's a statement win for them as a program. Like, hey, we've arrived. We're you know we're kind of the new kids to contend with here. And it can be easy. You got a team of teenagers. It can be easy for these teenagers to go and rest on their laurels <laughs> and start feeling themselves a little bit. But then you look at the schedule, and it's West the next week, and it's your arch rival. It's a team you haven't beaten in a while. That's something that's going to perk the ears up in a week like this. Uh, there's not going to be resting on their laurels. And talking to the players today, Jaden Williams and Casey Coley, they both said the same thing. Uh, there's been a little edge in practice this yeah. week. They're, uh, they want this one. Yeah, I think uh, two things that I've noticed that are positives for both teams uh, for East, obviously, defense. They played yeah. a lot better defense lately. For West, what I I liked is the way their running game has really taken hold. Kamari Montgomery. Yeah, because I always thought that, the, you know, with a back like Montgomery, you know, you've got to run the football. Mm-hmm. And they've really started doing that. They weren't doing that at the beginning of the year. You know, Well, they fell behind big in yeah, some games. But still, you got to use yeah. that running game. And uh, I know they got – they can throw the football, but I still think West is better off when they use to run to set up the pass. And that and that's really what they've done since district play has began. And Charlie Reeve had a really good – we're going to get a little technical football mm-hmm. here. He had a really good way of describing the West offense and kind of the challenge it presents to you. This is what East is going to have to deal with on Friday night. He said it's like 20 personnel in the backfield, two running backs with Camden Repper and Kamari Montgomery out there. But they have four wide receivers, so you, you're playing this game of you have to cover the four guys wide, but you have to have enough guys in the box for, I mean, Repper's a quarterback, but you know he's running for 70, 80 yards a game in district play as well. So you have to account for Repper running the football, and obviously Montgomery, who's going for over 200 a game in district. 
And so you have to get enough guys in a box to contend with that and enough guys on the outside to contend with their passing game because if you decide to load up the box, they're going to throw screen passes, little quick routes out there and get, you know, they don't have a lot of experience at receiver. They have a lot of speed at receiver. And that's what Wes has shown this year. And that's what Coach Reeve said to me today about that's, that's the challenge that the East defense is really facing. And it's kind of a different – Wes runs their offense a little bit differently than everybody else in the district. They also run it at a really high pace. And talking to talking to Wes this week, talking to Coach Boyce, th- th- they're ready. They're ready for this one. They're excited for this one. And this is how I said for East, you know, nothing better to not rest on your laurels than, you know, this matchup against Wes. For Wes going up against East, you know, the Miller loss, similar to the Vets loss early in the year, it, it hurt Wes a little bit because they played really well. They did some things really well. Miller makes a couple of really big plays, and that swings the momentum of the game, and Miller wins by a touchdown. But no better way to refocus, put that in the rearview mirror, than see on your schedule, oh, Victoria East, arch rival, seniors. We're going to go 4-0 against these guys. I'm really excited for this one. You can't ask for anything more in a rivalry than two teams who are really good or at least believe they're really good and two teams who are pretty evenly matched and have to play on the football field. Both sides believe to their core they're going to win this football game, and now we get to see them play on the field. Right, that's right. And one thing we've noticed about these games, a lot of times they come down to the very end, the last minute. So uh, that's one thing to keep in mind. Uh, Should be interesting. I know there's been a few blowouts in these games. Early on, East dominated. Early on, East dominated. West has won the last three years by double digits. I think this is a one-score game. I think this should be a very good game. I'm looking forward to it. This is what I'm watching for, Mike. This is is Gabe (laughs) Myers' key to the game. Third down. I, I want I want to see third down both sides. Who can stay on the field? Who can who? Which defense can get the opposing offense off the field? Third down. So that that's the one thing I'm looking for because I think both teams are going to have success moving the ball. I think both defenses they'll make a play or two here and there. I think both offenses are better. I think both offenses are going to have success. I think both defenses are going to have to find a way to make plays. I'm looking at third down. Which defense on third down can get off the field or make the sack, get the interception? Force the fumble that can potentially change this football game. Mike, you had a heck of a game this week yeah. at Bay City and Iowa Colony. Yeah, a heartbreaker for the Black Cats. Uh, but uh, then again, I mean, I, I pointed this out, and I was talking with someone over there. I really feel like Bay City could have been undefeated this year. If you look at every one of their losses to Edna, and uh, to Navasota, and then now to Iowa Colony, it's because they gave up a big play at a really inopportune time. They just have breakdowns. Uh, in this game, obviously, they had three interceptions. One was a pick six. That doesn't help. They miss. They have a bad snap on an extra point, which really hurt them. And then and it ultimately cost them to the get. Yeah, really, it did. And then. Uh, they've got uh, Iowa Colony in a third and 17. Robert Jones, the coach, calls timeout. He specifically tells his DBs, do not let them get behind you. What happens? They run right past them for a touchdown. Now, and here's something that I learned from this that maybe people should take into account. When you see that happening, the first thing that comes to your mind is, what's wrong with that coach? Why didn't he have his guys in the right place? Well, he did tell his guys to be in the right place, but they didn't do it. So next time when you think and you're in the stands, what is that coach doing? Maybe consider that these high school guys might have made a mistake, too. Just think about it in life. Do teenagers ever listen to you? (laughs) I know, really. So that was a good lesson. But the best thing for the Black Cats, uh, originally we kind of thought that they might not be in the playoffs if they lose to Stafford this week, which they should win. But when you're on the road, you never know. So, But they're in one way or another. But if they beat Stafford – they will be either the second or third seed, depending on what happens between Iowa Colony and Needville. So that that was good news for the Black Cats. Uh, but uh, I have to give Iowa Colony credit, too. They're a really good team, and they had a great game plan. Their game plan was to stop Jada Andrews. And they did a tremendous job, except for really one play. Jada broke a 66-yard touchdown run. 
and then they also threw a little uh, touchdown pass to him. But otherwise, they, I mean, they, uh, you take away 66, he had just over 100. So you can see they did a good job. Yeah, and when you have really, a really good player like Jada Andrews, there's not, and I, I go back to talking to Reeve and Boyce this week, when you talk about Kamari Montgomery for West, East knows they're not going to just yeah. stop Kamari Montgomery. It's not like he's going to have 20 carries for 25 mm-hmm. yards. Same thing with Jada Andrews. It's not, oh, we're going to hold him under 50 yards. No, he's going to make a couple of plays. You just don't want him beating you consistently. You right. don't want him being single-handedly the reason you lose a football game. Right, and and then, of course, the key for that is how do you adjust? You yeah. know, if they're stopping this – you've got to go to something else that work. And I, I kind of was really surprised they didn't try to throw the ball to him a little more. But they did. They threw ten times to Zylan Williams, who had a big night. So just a really good football game between those two teams, two good teams. I tell you what, if Bay City ends up getting the three seed, I can't imagine you're the runner-up in their sister district, and it's like, gosh, these are the guys we have to play. Are you kidding me? Well, of course, too. And the the thing is, in the uh, in the overall scheme of things, they play Houston ISD mm. in the first round. So it really doesn't matter. Yeah. As far as that goes, but I, I'm sure as you go down the road, it, it catches up to you. Yeah, so that, that's just the one thing I think about with the way this works out is you get some of these districts, and we're going to talk about another one here in a bit with Hallettsville Yokum, where it's just like, gosh, we really got to play these guys in the first <laughs> round. Before we get there, though, Mike, you'll be at Ganado this week for the district title game between the Ganado and Refugio. It's really strange, you know. When I look down, um, we come to the last week of the season, and we have. Two districts where uh, you have a game deciding the outright champion. This, Ganado Refurio, and then Hallettsville Sacred Heart actually plays uh, Temple Central Texas Christian for the outright title. But, uh, you know, every every other district, while there may be some co-champions, the seeding has been pretty much determined. Uh, you know, I don't know if you would have predicted this at the beginning of the year, uh, well, one of these teams you would. <laughs> oh yeah, Refurio, but Ganado has really come on. Um, They've been kind of the story, the Cinderella story of the season in the Crossroads. Josh Urban has done a tremendous job there, uh, just putting this team together. They they throw the ball a lot. They've gone to the pass a lot, and Bryce Ullman has stepped in, you know, at quarterback and uh, done a tremendous job. I believe he's uh, up around 1,900 yards right now. So, uh, and, it, and it's not just throwing the ball. When, when I watched them play earlier this year, they're very creative in the way they do it. They bring guys on end arounds and jet sweeps. They do these little pop passes. They go, they get, they get these creative little tunnel screens going. They are, they are, it's not just like drop back down the field passing. They're very creative, a lot of misdirection in what they do. Yeah, and then I think it shows, you know, Josh Urban is, uh, was a quarterback back at Bay City so obviously you know he knows what he's doing there and he's figured out ways the the one thing about Ganado and I know Refurio has this too almost everybody at Ganado goes both ways mm-hmm. so that would be a concern for me you know if Refurio can uh, kind of wear him down because you're going to have to tackle Jordan King and that's not a fun job. That, I, I, I'm, I'm a big guy I don't really want to go tackle yeah. Jordan King and uh, <laughs> that's the thing I think uh you know, I think the key for Ganado to me is to jump out early. Like, really, as I, I point this out, that last year when they met in a regional semifinal, uh, Refurio only led 13 to, or actually it was 12 to 7 at half. Um, Ganado actually had a 7 6 lead for a while. Um, but in the second half, Refurio kind of took over. But I think it's really important. For Ganado to jump out to a lead to have a shot in this game. Yeah, I agree with you, especially with we've talked about with Refurio before. We talked about after the Shiner game where you think maybe Refurio is doing a little bit of prep for Terry Bussey and Timpson down the road. They're focusing on the running game, clock, ball control. How do you get them out of that? Take a lead early, make them get out of what yeah. they've been doing for a lot of this season. Yeah, and uh, you know, actually, too, though, uh, the, the thing that's interesting, uh, I find it interesting. Timpson's actually playing Garrison yeah. uh, this week, and they're both 9-0. and So that, I mean, it's kind of funny that both Refurio and Timpson are having to play games to win a district title. But I, one thing I've noticed about Refurio this year, Keelan Brown, their quarterback, has only thrown one interception. 
all season. And that came in the Hitchcock game was a pick six. Uh, so he's doing things, you know, they're setting up patterns, obviously. Obviously, too, when you have guys wide open, it's right. pretty easy. But uh, except for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that in there. But, uh, I mean, uh, you know, he's done a really good job this year of uh, taking care of the football, you know. And, it, you know, if, if a really good team doesn't turn, out, turn over the ball, it's hard to beat them. Yeah, especially with I mean, especially with Rafferio, the way they run the football, and then it's hard because you have Ernest Campbell on the outside, <laughs> and you want to commit so much to the running game and Jordan King, and you're going to leave Ernest Campbell one on one with <laughs> Keelan Brown throwing the football. That's a, you know kind of a lose lose. It's pick your poison really yeah. in that situation. Well, I'll be at the Victoria Bowl. You'll be at Ganado Rafferio, but we got one other massive game this week in the Crossroads, and that's Yoakum and Hallettsville, which they play in the toughest. 3A district in Texas probably featuring Hitchcock and Columbus. They're playing for third and fourth this week uh, down in Hallettsville, and that's a, I mean, that's a big one over there. Yeah, it is because, well, I mean, I, I kind of see this as a pick-your-poison game because uh, the uh, winner, I believe, would get uh, Franklin. Right, the Franklin's defend- not winning their yeah, district. the defending state champion. The loser gets Lorena. So the, I think they're currently ranked number two yeah, behind so number one Columbus, Columbus yes. who's in this district. Yeah, so it just so happens that two of the best 3A districts in the state go right up against each other in the first round. So uh, UIL, but, we got to do something about that. Realignment's yeah. coming up. Let, let's yeah. just change some numbers around here. Well, I think <laughs> both Yoakum and Houtsville are hoping they go back to Region 4 in the next realignment. That would take care of that. But, uh, of course, you have Canadian, you know, up there. I believe they're 3AD2, though. But, yeah, Canadian is. But, uh, yeah, this is a big rivalry, too, you know, because you've got two schools just down the road from each other. And uh, I think last year, Yoakum got them, actually. And, well, uh, Hallettsville had a shot to tie for the district title going into last yeah. year's final game. And Yoakum, they, they had beaten – they had won one district game, hadn't mm-hmm. beaten any of the others, and then – they knocked Hallettsville down to the four line the last yeah. the last week of the season, and Hallettsville yeah. went from potentially district champs to the fourth seed. Yeah, and uh, what that did, I think it put Hitchcock number one and Columbus number yeah. two last year. Because well, it, it, it knocked and it put Hallettsville against uh-huh. Franklin in round one. Yeah, is what it I know. Did. And uh, Yoakum, though, they didn't fare much better, although. Uh, I don't quite. I don't know if it was Lorena they played or in the first round. I but believe it was Cameron Yo. Actually. Yeah, it was Yo. They because that was the second time they played Yo. But uh, yeah, this is uh, always a good one. I'm sure uh, you got a lot of talent on this field. I mean, you know, you look at Zach Taylor, Jay and, Sean Price. Yeah, and Jay Sean Price, and of course Lane Gurkey from Hout's had a bunch of catches in that loss. Was it Barnett, the receiver? Xavier Barnett yeah. from Yoakum. I mean. Uh, and, you know, LaJoyan Wilson from uh, Howitzville. So you've got lots of talent on that field. And, uh, you know, it'd be, it should be a really good game. Yeah, that's one I'm intrigued to see the results of. And like you said, it's uh, – I mean, th- those two sister districts going up against each other, that round one of the playoffs is going to be a lot of fun to watch. But it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this one. I know for Howitzville, there's a little revenge factor there. They uh, think they've been holding that Yoakum loss in for quite a bit. And, y- you know, Yoakum – it's funny because both teams are better this year than they were last year. It's just the district they play in, they're not yeah, – yeah. they're just not really up yeah. for the district yeah. title. Yeah, they have the number one team in the state, yeah. Columbus. So, and, another, I mean, and another top ten team yeah, as well in Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Yeah, so that's what you get when you play in that district. So it is what it is, but that will be a fun one to watch for this week. And this is – you know, last week of the regular season, some playoff scenarios at stake and – we're going to go ahead and talk about, you know, the main one we're going to talk about here is uh, Victoria is Victoria East and Victoria West because their game this week, it directly impacts what what's going to happen. So this is from head coach Courtney Boyce. This is what, you know, what the scenarios are. So if Victoria East wins this week, East is the two seed, West is the four seed coming out of that district. East would get a home playoff game. West would be going to uh, – Probably, I think San Antonio South Side is where is where they'd be going to. I can actually get that for you right now. But 
If West wins by nine points or less, Corpus Christi Veterans moves up to second in the district. East is third. West is fourth. If West wins by double digits, Vets is still second, but now West moves into the three spot and East moves into the four. So there's, uh, I mean, there's some, uh, you know, some playoff seeding implications at stake in this East-West rivalry. Looks like the three seed will be on the road at San Antonio Southwest. East or West could go over there. Four seed will be on the road at Southside. East or West could also potentially go over there as well. Two seed will host one of Laredo Nixon, Laredo Martin, or Medina Valley. Things are still being worked out over there in District thir- in District 13, 5A Division One. Mike, are there any playoff scenarios you've seen throughout the week that stand out to you? Well, uh, some are pretty simple, uh, like uh, the Calhoun District. Uh, Lavernia spanked uh, Beville pretty yeah. good last week, and uh, that, I'll tell you what a shocker that yeah, was. It was like forty-two to nothing or something. I was stunned. But uh, what if those three teams win, Lavernia, Calhoun, and Beville, which they should, you're going to have a three-way tie for first. And uh, the way that works out is uh, it goes points, which Lavernia has, so they would be the top seed, and then they revert to head-to-head. So Beville's win over Calhoun puts it in the second seed and Calhoun in the third seed, which uh, when I spoke to Coach Richard Whitaker, he was not happy about. Yeah. He, he did not want that third seed. He wanted to avoid that. But that's what will happen there. Um, you look at uh, Goliad and Edna's district, that's clear cut. I mean, first seed is Goliad, second seed's Edna, third is Industrial, and fourth is Corpus Christi, London. So, I mean, that no matter what happens this week, uh, Ty Damon's going to have the top seed in its district. Van Vleck is uh, probably the fourth seed, but if unless they can upset Tidehaven or uh, there's something that happens with Brazos. Hey, Tidehaven allowed their second touchdown yeah. of the year last week. They're now, they've now up to 14 points allowed in, in, in eight games this season. Yeah, and think about this. Uh, uh, Joseph Dodd scored seven touchdowns last week. He scored five more touchdowns than how than tight end opponents. opponents have even scored. And one of those, I know, the East Bernard was a touchdown pass. I'm not sure how Bowling scored. Yeah, I don't know how Bowling yeah. scored. And again, and that you know, what was that game? Fifty nine to seven uh, was the. I fun, think it was forty eight or forty eight. I mean, again, in a blowout, you know, that could have mm-hmm. been a garbage time touchdown. Who knows? And here's an interesting thing too, uh, Shiner. And if Refurio beats Ganado, Ganado would get the second seed. Mm-hmm. The good thing about that for Ganado and Shiner or whoever is that avoids you from playing Refurio again to the regional final. So because uh, the fourth seed would get them, if they make it, would get them in the, the third round. But uh, that's good. Also, we have uh, Schulenberg, which was uh, winless last year is going in the playoffs this year. Yeah, they Schulenberg plays Thrall. If Schulenberg can beat Thrall, Schulenberg would be the third seed and Weimer would be the second. If Thrall beats Schulenberg, then Thrall's second, Weimer's third, and Schulenberg's fourth. Um, everything else is... Uh, I'll tell you, Luke Hobbs over there at Schulenberg and Wade Griffin at Weimer, they've led because they were the yeah. bottom two teams in the district uh-huh. last year and they've led turnarounds. Yeah, they've done a great job. Of course, uh, about uh, I was talking to someone about Weimer the other day. They run that slot T. Yeah. You know, Wade Griffin's a big believer in the slot T. So uh, he's got three guys that have rushed for, I believe, 800 or more yards and out of the slot T. And yeah, I think Luke Hobbs has done a tremendous job over there. And, uh, and of course, you know, uh, we haven't mentioned St. Joseph. We probably should. Uh, the Flyers, that boy, that was a killer loss. Oh, they had week. a heartbreaker last yeah, week. Yeah, uh, losing to uh, St. Michael's up in Austin, uh, that hurt them big time. But they're in a scenario where I spoke to Coach Dupree this week and uh, – what he said basically is he thinks they're going to have to beat Hyde Park uh, by three points or more. He said if somehow TMI were to beat Brownsville-St. Joseph, which is very unlikely, then they all they would have to do is win. But he said if, uh, if Brownsville-St. Joseph beats TMI, they would have to beat Hyde Park by three or more. So, And that's going to be tough because they're on the road again. Um, 
Yeah, just a heartbreaking loss. Uh, you know, um, none of the other teams, I mean, that are in the top, obviously Regents has been killing people. But then you have, like, uh, San Antonio Christian, which, you know, when St. Joseph beat Christ, San Antonio Christian, but to be fair, that their quarterback was out that week, San Antonio yeah. Christian. And, and since that guy's come back, they haven't lost. So, uh yeah, St. Joseph has put themselves in a uh, tenuous position. I'll say that. Yeah, so a lot of playoff, a lot of playoff implications on the line this week. We're getting to the last week of the regular season, and the weather says it. I'm telling you, I'm wearing a hoodie in here today. It's. I was talking to boys as we were leaving the practice field. I was like, this is football weather. This, this this is football weather right here. It's beautiful. Way better than that 110 we had back in August when camp opened. So. It's a great time to be a football fan here in the crossroads. But we're going to throw it to break. We're going to hear a message from White Trash Services. Then we're going to top, talk some realignment. We got a, we got some UIL snapshot stuff and where teams may end up. Stay tuned. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and, and, and what do you all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And, you know, y'all are y'all are big advocates for, for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. Welcome back into episode 60 of The Grid. Right now, we're about to play a segment that Mike and I recorded last week for episode 59 of The Grid. Like I said, that one didn't air. Some housekeeping issues. I promise you, not our fault. But we had an interesting conversation about realignment and what could come, what it could mean for Victoria schools and other area schools as the snapshot numbers started to come in. So we're going to go ahead and play that segment for you now on the UIL realignment. Welcome back into episode 59 of The Grid, and we're going to talk some realignment. No, not college football conference <laughs> realignment. You know, don't don't turn it off, guys. We're talking UIL realignment. We're, you know, we're getting the snapshot at the end of the week. That's the deadline for schools to submit their enrollment um, going forward. And it's interesting, you know, here in Victoria, we're, you know, we're impacted by it, maybe not directly it looks like east and west from what i've been told are gonna stay where they are but the corpus schools going all over the place mike i'll tell you what i've heard i've heard and this is kind of getting matt matt step tweeted this and i was like i i knew this before matt step did so i you know proud of that um matt step tweeted this and this is what i've heard as well that ccisd is gonna let these corpus christi schools just fall where they fall where they may which could have a huge impact on Victoria East and Victoria West. No question. In fact, I had heard that uh, last year from um, uh, Len Hayward, the mm. sports editor down in Corpus. Uh, he had said that that's what they were talking about. Is finally they were going to the superintendent was going to let them fall where they may. Uh, and you're right. That definitely could have an impact because Miller could drop. Uh, my understanding is I don't know if they would go to four A. Or, uh, so with Miller, two. I've heard 5A, D2, and I've heard 4A. Yeah, and you, you're looking at that, and uh, I don't know about, uh, like, King or uh, one of them. I, I think uh, 
Ray has a pretty big enrollment. Ray, Ray has a big enrollment. They were actually helped because they recently redistricted yeah. and because of the new high uh, campus Carol. at Carroll. Yeah. So they recently redistricted. Ray was helped by that. King, from my understanding, was not. Well, I, and and Moody is another one that could drop right. way down. I, I've also heard there's a chance, although I doubt it, that Veterans Memorial could go 6A. So uh, that would really shake things up. But... And, and to your point about East and West, uh, Spencer said, uh, Spencer, our, again, our uh, AD here at VISD said, the decision on if West has uh, Division Two numbers again like it mm-hmm. did last one on whether they uh, option to play up rests with uh, Quentin Shepard, the superintendent. So, uh, and, and uh, I don't think it's any secret that... Uh, Courtney Boyce would prefer to play in Division it, Two. It it is the worst kept yeah. secret <laughs> in and, this town uh, that Courtney Boyce would know, want to play Division Two. Of course, he goes two. along with whatever they they say. But I mean, you know, the numbers tell you right there. You know that you're better off playing schools your size. So um, you know, and it, it was like when I was speaking with uh, Spencer about this. We I said, you know. You can just alternate weeks just like you do now, and East and West are still going to play. It just would be a non-district game. It'd probably be in week three or four, not in week 11. And the other thing about that is, too, if you have to, you know, you play a Thursday, Friday or something. Mm -hmm. If that comes down to it, maybe one week out of the year, and you're doing that in Corpus anyways. So, um, you know, I don't know that whether or not that happens. I kind of doubt it, but... What what's interesting is if you start peeling off some of these corpus schools, uh, there there are a number of ways uh, east and west can go as we've seen in the past. They could be matched up. They could take them, um, you know, they could take them to the south side of San Antonio, match them up with some of the schools over there, or the the, the what I call the doomsday scenario outskirts of Houston. Yeah, Fort Bend. That is what you do not want to happen. That happen. That's happened. Fort, Fort Ben Marshall, Fort Ben uh, Bush. Those or, guys. Or, those yeah, guys like are you really play good. Foster again. Yeah. I mean, they were in the same district with Foster when it had C. D. Lamb. Mm. So, I mean, in in that year, I think uh, they had like eight D ones. Mm. So, I mean, you definitely do not want. Well, to I remember that. watching Fort Ben Marshall. This was back in 2019. They had Devon A. Chain at running back, who's now tearing it up for the Dolphins, and the quarterback was Malik Hornsby, <laughs> who was an Arkansas commit. He hasn't quite gone off the ground in his college career, but again, you have two Power Five starters at your, you know, yeah. in your backfield. Yeah. So they would uh, East and West obviously do not want to go towards Fort Bend. Uh, they would prefer to uh, stay where they are. Or maybe even the south side of San Antonio, there you know there are teams you can compete with. Although, if you get in with Wagner in some of those yeah. schools, uh, that's tough too. But uh, the the other, we might as well go ahead and talk about this because the other the elephant in the room here is uh, right now is everybody knows Corpus uh, controls the vote in the district because they have what six schools. CCI is so, so controls the vote. That I mean, like at the in the district executive committee when mm-hmm. they decide policy, mm-hmm. and uh, these zones, which uh, I find even Corpus coaches hate them. The I have not. I was talking to a, a media member in Corpus yesterday, and he had messaged me asking me about the different zones. Mm-hmm. You know, for the volleyball right. that had happened yesterday. And, I, you know, he said, I don't quite understand it. And I, you know, I said, I think this, I believe this is what it is and it's how it works out. He's like, thank you. He said, I have, none of the coaches here even know. I said, none of the coaches here know either. It's about <laughs> as clear as mud. Yeah, and I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, let's just put it out like it is. I mean, most coaches hate it. Uh, you You play these crossover games, which only matter – I guess if you end up playing for seeding in tiebreaker scenarios, yeah, or seeding where a team that won the well, game will get home well, field. So right? what we were talking, what I was talking about with the media member in Corpus yesterday is Corpus Christi veterans and Victoria West. Who's the three? Who's the four? Because their district record is the same. Veterans beat West in a crossover 
technically non-district game back, you know, at some point in September. So because, you know, six weeks ago, Vets beat, you know, Victoria West, they now get the three seed, West gets the four in a non-district game, but crossover, it's, the semantics of it are all just bizarre. Yeah, and, and well, the good thing, though, is by, the numbers will start leaking out yeah. tomorrow. I mean, uh, just, uh, you know, I'll give them a plug. Uh, Dave Campbell's website will probably have quite a few schools on there starting Friday. And uh, then what happens is uh, right sometime after Thanksgiving, uh, the UIL will release the cutoff numbers, telling schools what divisions they're going to be in, and, you know, for, especially for football, you know, Division One, Division Two. Or even for basketball, whether you're in 4A, 5A, whatever. So uh, th- once you know that, then you can kind of figure – that's when people start piecing together their opinions of where their district will yeah. be. Uh, but right now, if you look – when you look at the numbers released on Snapshot Day, you can go and see where the cutoffs were last year. And usually the numbers move up a little bit every realignment, every two years, which, by the way, the realignment always comes, I believe it's the first Monday in February. So, uh, you know, that's when uh, realignment will usually take place. Um, or the first day in February, I'm not sure. They, they'll move it if it's signing day, but normally it's right there the first of February. So... Uh, yeah, we're gonna. There's gonna be a lot of speculation after these numbers come out about what's gonna happen, and uh, you know. But like we've said before, I know. Um, you know, our friend Carl Padilla that does the Padilla report. He always puts out a mock realignment. Dave Campbell's does as well, and they're they're usually pretty close. But the fact is, nobody knows. And this is probably the best-kept secret in the world. I mean, even the Defense Department can't keep secrets like the UIL does with realignment. Yeah, it, once we get the snapshot numbers, depending on how, what the participation is for those, that's when we start to get, a okay, an idea of where 6A may fall, 5A may fall, and then if you really want to go in, 5AD1, 5AD2, and you can start kind of working out some of the districts there. I'm really, I'm really interested to see where this falls. I, I'm with you. I doubt Victoria East and Victoria West split. I know West would like to go down to down to 582, and it part of that scheduling is another thing we can talk about because the scheduling teams. If you're 581, you don't really want to schedule down to 582 and six. You're kind of stuck in your one little thing, and that's how you end up with you know West this year was at San Antonio Randolph. They played week one and. Or was it Randall? I can't remember. Davenport. Davenport. They played San Antonio Davenport week one. And Davenport has a really good team with a lot of high-level players. And you get, you know, you get you get what you got over there. Same with Leander Glenn, who's a cut above what West really is. But that's who West is stuck playing in these, you know, in these non-district games because of where they're slated in the, you know, 580. Well, of course, um, you know, you look at it, if East and West were to split, as we were discussing, they could, they'll could they still play each other. It'll just be uh, week three, week four, whenever, you know, or even technically you could you could open the season against each other. You know, could you imagine the crowd at Memorial Stadium for the season opener? East and West, I mean, that would be incredible. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, either way, I think what they want to look at is um, the travel. You know, that's one issue, obviously. You want to look at the travel. You don't want, say, let's say West goes into D2 and they have to go into district with uh, a bunch of schools on the uh, northwest side of San Antonio or something. Now, if it's the south And that's side, something VISD looks at yeah. as it pertains to the two schools yeah. as well. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of questions would be real interesting. Um, I haven't heard a lot of rumors about numbers about our area schools, about any Yeah, any that's what of, I was going to ask you because you're um, more plugged in than I am over I, there. I haven't heard a lot about anybody really worrying about going up and down. There may there, Usually what happens is uh, there's some division, maybe division changes, but uh, really, the big 
thing would be Ruggy. I mean, going. I guess I'm assuming they're going to play six man next year. Uh, that'll be interesting because Benavides was also going to do it. Uh, but other than those two schools, uh, unless Prairie Lee does, you're making trips to Lakey and places like that. Yeah, it's realignment. This is the uh, same as in college football. This is a really interesting, you know, topic of conversation as we get towards the end of football season and into the kind of the first parts of the off season, especially every other year like this year where we get, you know, yeah. we get to talk about realignment and where teams may fall. And with the CCISD schools going to split up, you know, the district could look a little bit different. Do Flower Bluff and Gregory yeah. and Gregory Portland enter five AD once another one? I know Flower Bluff. That's an area that's always kind of you know. I used to live out in that area. Yeah. I had a sister who went to high school. Two sisters who went to high school over at Flower Bluff. So it's yeah. Well, I'm hearing uh, GP should move up to D one. That, so. that I've heard that as well. I'm, so, I actually so. be shocked if that doesn't. Yeah, if, and, so. and they were five AD one not very long ago as well. Yeah, um, and I'll, I'll tell you, it's nothing like. Uh, Realignment Day when the coaches go to Region 3 Education Mm -hmm. Service Center here in Victoria. We have a lot of coaches there. And uh, you can just kind of tell as you kind of watch their expressions Mm -hmm. what's going on. And, uh, you know, of course, they're all on the phone because – you know, they, they're trying to get games. And immediately you turn to making your schedule. Yeah, well, a lot of them have, you know, technically you can't do it, but unofficially you do have games. And you just confirm them. But, you know, you try to match up weeks. Like schools like the more successful schools like Quero, Refurio, Shiner, people like that, they have trouble just finding games. Right. Your, a lot of your other schools, the biggest challenge is, well, will we play week one or week three or whatever? And that's kind of how that, those things go. Yeah, I mean, we're, we'll talk about this more certainly as we get, you know, deeper into the calendar year and the early parts of next year. But I'm excited to kind of see where all this spans out, especially if the Corpus schools end up just falling where they may because that really – that makes what could potentially be the Victoria Schools District really, really interesting. Well, we're going to hear a message from Thriving Financial. And then we had, a, we had a couple of Ford Tough winners here in the area this week. Mike will talk about that once we hear this message from Thriving Financial. Stay tuned. Thrivent is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent financial advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. All right, welcome back into episode 60 of The Grid. Guys, it is playoff volleyball season. The by-district round of the UIL playoffs was started this week. We have some area round matchups going on later this week as well, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And in TAPS, it, it's the area round of the volleyball playoffs. And St. Joseph was pushed to the brink by Second Baptist uh, by Houston Second Baptist this week. And this was one area around St. Joseph is a team with state championship expectations. They're twenty one and one against Taps well now twenty two and one against Taps teams this year. Their only loss was to a six A team that's competing for the state championship up in six A. Outside of, outside of that game against a six A team, they'd only lost two sets all seasons in Taps play, all season in Taps play. Second Baptist took two sets off them, including the first set on Tuesday night. It looked like St. Joseph was St. Joseph was on the brink. It looked like they were going to get knocked out. Down a set, down 24-20 in the second set. They rattle off six straight points to win the second set, 26-24. Win the third set, drop the fourth set, fifth set. Team comes out, leads the fifth set, wire to wire. 15-11 win in the fifth set, and they move on to the regional round. And it's one of those where, Mike, I tell you, even Coach Swanland after the game, she goes, yeah, they were better than we expected. This was not the team we saw on film. The team we got here tonight was really, really good, and we're going to be playing teams like that going forward. So St. Joseph, a team with state championship expectations, got probably a little more than they signed up for in the area around there, but 
Playoffs, name of the game is survive in advance, and that is what the Flyers did. They're on to the area round. They're, they're, they're going to be playing Fort Bend Christian on Saturday. They don't, It looks like it'll be in Wharton. They don't know what time yet. They're still working out all the details, but they'll be playing Fort Bend Christian in the regional round of the TAPS 5A postseason. On the UIL side in 5A, Victoria West advanced to the area round. They qualified as a four seed district fifth in District 15 5A and uh, or District 14 5A, and they made it look really easy in uh, in the by district round. They played a district champion out of the Valley, La Jolla Palmview, and uh, sweep 3-0, 25-19, 25-16, 25-19. Really, really easy for the West Warriors. Second round is going to be a little bit tougher, though. They'll be in Corpus Christi. They got to they gotta face Sherryland Pioneer, who's one of the top 20 teams in the state in 5A, according to the TGCA poll. So Victoria West will have their hands full. But Garrett Gomez and company, that crew, they wanted to show they belong in the playoffs. Well, how about a 3-0 sweep over a district champ out of the Valley? That shows you belong. Congrats to the West Warriors over there. State-ranked teams in round one cruised in the by-district in the by district round here in the crossroads. Calhoun, 3-0. Goliad, 3-0. Schulenberg, 3-0. All chalk in round one here in the crossroads. Now those teams, you know... Area round, competition steps up a little bit. Calhoun tomorrow on Thursday will be in Refurio taking on Toloso Midway. Goliad will take on Lyford in Cal Island. I tell you, Goliad's been a buzzsaw for the last couple of months. That's, it's going to be really fun to follow them on this playoff run. And Schulenberg will be playing Thorndale out in Giddings. And then Cuero, they'll be playing Needville out in Ganado. Anissa Carbonara, one of the best players in our area. Cuero, a district champion. They're looking to make a playoff run as well. It'll be fun to follow this volleyball. We got football playoffs. Volley- football playoffs starting next week. Volleyball playoffs going on. It's a fun time to do our job here in the crossroads. Coaches, volleyball coaches, if you're listening to us, seasons are coming to an end. All district teams are getting announced. We're going to do all our all-area team at some point in the, in the near future. Send in your all-area nominations. Send in your all-district teams. We want that information. We're going to publish that. Get some of these really good athletes in the Crossroads area recognized. We want to do that. And then football coaches, send us your by-district playoff pairings because we got to figure out where the heck we're going to be next week. we got to know where we're going to go. We know, you know, ones and twos, you're hosting. Threes and fours, you're going on the road. Coaches, Send us your by-district playoff pairing. Send us as soon as you know. There's a lot of playoff implications at stake Friday night. Once all that comes in, once you know where you're going, send that to us at sports at vicad.com. That's sports at v-i-c-a-d.com. By-district football, send that in. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a tab, uh, something on our website of all the by-district, all the by-district playoff matchups, and we're looking forward to the by-district round of the playoffs, Mike. It's a fun time to be to do our job here. Yeah, it's uh, fun and a busy time with uh, basketball starting and uh, football playoffs and volleyball playoffs. Uh, we've got swimming and diving going, and uh, boy, it's it's it before long. I mean, we'll be in spring and everything's going on. <laughs> I tell you, basketball, <laughs> girls basketball, the season starts on Tuesday, and it's like. We look at all this stuff going on. It's like, gosh, girls basketball is starting. We got volleyball playoffs, and we got, you know, state cross countries this week. You got a runner from Ganado, Alan Baez, who two top five finishes. He's looking to find his way to the to the top of the heap this year. Yeah, Alan Baez will be running uh, state cross country Friday and Saturday. Two A runs Saturday. One one three and five is Friday, and then two four six on uh, Saturday up in Round Rock. Uh, Just a busy time. you know, uh, people getting ready and, uh, you know, football playoffs getting ready to go. Yeah, football playoffs. We're hoping some of y'all make long runs. We we want an excuse to go to Jerry World. Give Mike and I an excuse to paint the town of Arlington blue. Uh, so let's do that. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you back here next week on The Grid.